I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. And um, I guess we're out of both those things. We can't blame Trump for this. Yes, we can. This is Red All Over, your graceful alias Grace recap. Let me in. Woo! Yeah. Woo. Is that the official ending of our intro now? Woo. Woo. Because I get, honestly, I get scared when you whisper let me in. So I have to like perk myself back. <laughs> oh my God. I am like, your house is dark other than the room where we're recording and it gets me scared. <laughs> oh, really? I can close the door. I'll no, just, it's fine. No, it's I'll fine. Close, well, I want to close it anyway. I need to learn. <laughs> okay. All right. I need to learn. Um, but I mean, sometimes I'm scared in my house. Really? Yeah, but not really, because it's not haunted. As far as you know. I don't think so. I heard a thing the other night that kind of scared me. It sounded like something like rooting around <sighs> and like a, like, I don't know, there was like a noise. I thought maybe it was like a rat or something, but I didn't see anything. Let's pray it's not a rat and hope like at my house, it's just bags falling on each other. Yeah, I think it was something okay. like that. I just can't figure out what it was. A bag avalanche, if you will. I, Yeah. I like don't really believe in ghosts, though. Well, I love ghost stories, but I'm always like, eh, it seems like you're just schizophrenic. To me, that feels like the thing you would say, the person in the movie says, and then the ghost gets them. So I will never say anything like that. Uh, good luck. Yeah, but like usually like in real life, like ghosts don't kill people. I guess that you know of. If they did, it's just a dead person. <laughs> dead men tell no ghost stories. But you know what is a ghost story? Alias Grace. Alias Grace is a ghost story. Mm-hmm. And it kicks off with a quotation from a poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Yeah, it comes from Maud Part 2. Typical Maud. <laughs> yeah, the B. Arthur spinoff poem. <laughs> and then there's Tennyson. <laughs> Uh, so it says, uh, this is from the third stanza down in the poem, and it goes, a shadow flits before me, not thou, but like to thee, a Christ that it were possible for one short hour to see the souls we loved that they might tell us what and where they be. (gasps) This is not helping you be less scared. Uh, if I'm doing it, I don't scare myself. So. You, I find very frightening. <laughs> Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, to me, I think at least two layers here as regards alias Grace, mm-hmm. which is, boy, it sure would be great if some of these dead people could be <laughs> like, here's what happened, see? Mm-hmm. But also, you know, is there life after death? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. There's absolutely. only one way to find out. And I'm not ready to do that right now. No, nor do I. No. And it also speaks to the like uncertainty. You, you got a piece of it. But what's so scary about death, I guess, for some of these people is they don't know what will happen. I mean, very viscerally, Grace doesn't know what will happen because her mother's soul was in the brig of the ship mm-hmm. and didn't get to go out in time. Potentially, Mary's soul didn't get to go out in time either. So there's like a very tangible worry about what happens to people even immediately after death. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. This whole series is reminding me, it's like very like turn of a screw-y. So think about that. We kick it off. There's a flashback to Grace in the Asylum, which was to me the most upsetting 
Somehow this was more upsetting to me than the flashbacks we saw of her getting raped in the asylum. It was just the fact that she was like by herself. And this is intercut with the reverend talking to Dr. Jordan about Grace and the accounts of her in the asylum. You know, people said that she was this raving mad woman Mm. and just a very, very different person than she was than she is mm-hmm. when she is with dr jordan and this is where we find out also that mrs alderman parkinson moved back to america she was an american by birth which is funny to me because martha burns i think has a very pronounced canadian accent <laughs> but whatever and so there's you know not really any way to talk to her that wouldn't require a huge outlay of yeah. effort and resources it's sort of crossing off one by one the people who could vouch for grace's character yes which is interesting. I think that is sort of a foreshadowing of when she says when she gets to the Kinnear house that we didn't know, but everybody in this scene would be dead in six months uh-huh. time. So it's just like her whole life is like, and then there was Grace. Yeah. Just ticking off all of those people around her. The Grace stands alone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they also say, they talk a little bit about what she heard from Mary Whitney Mm -hmm. and that she heard Mary Whitney say, let me in. And the Reverend kind of dismisses this and he's like, well, (laughs) it's considered like lame. If you don't like, if you're you're in the room (laughs) with a dead person and you don't hear them say something, (laughs) all the other people are going to make fun of you. (laughs) And so, you know, it's not even necessarily that he's completely, saying it's out of the question he's just saying well sentimental people will always say that they heard the deceased speak that is so funny (laughs) like just people are lying left right and center being like no 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 as grandpa was dying when grandpa was dead he was like you were always my favorite (laughs) but in reality that dead person was like i always thought you were an asshole like no 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 no. grandpa said something different to me i don't know what you're talking about simon thinks there's a case to be made that grace has you know for some period in her life experienced auditory hallucinations Mm -hmm. and then you know he makes a certain amount of reference to the dissociative state that she went into (sighs) where you know she has no memory of this he would love to see if there were any other instances of this but again they're short on witnesses yeah they cannot get a witness Definitely. I have nothing further to contribute as the only note I wrote about that scene is Simon is not cute. (laughs) So that's my contribution. All right, cool. That just means we don't have to argue over him. Great. We will have to argue over Jeremiah. Ooh, so much arguing. Oh, so cute. So cute. Then it cuts to the scene where she is uh, singing in the parlor as she's showing. Oh, no, you forgot your favorite character. Because we see Simon breaking down a whole chicken, (laughs) which is gross. It is gross. It is so gross. And Mrs. Humphreys is Mm. just chilling and saying, wow, you are so much nicer than my jerk husband ever was. Oh, my God. You're so funny. And she's so thirsty. Like, this is definitely not the voice she uses to talk to her girlfriend. Oh, girl. That was funny. This will make our female listeners laugh. Uh, we got a, a tweet sent to us on Twitter today where, from a man saying, your podcast is so funny. Also, 
I was so surprised and chilled to learn about the different voice that women use to talk to men. I'm like, "Uh oh, I gave away one of our secrets. (laughs) I said the same thing, but I said it in my real voice, which is, oh, no, we gave away one of our secrets. He can never return. (laughs) See, I'm not scared of myself. That's a good ass scary voice. But I scared you and I did my voice. No, that was like goofy scary. Yeah. Like you're on my side. I'm trying not to frighten you. I so appreciate that. Look how much we've grown since I know. the days of Look, The Handmaid's Tale. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. I legitimately, without any sense of farce or joke, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> I'm in a fragile place right now. Well, it's also getting dark out earlier. Yes. You know, you have to walk through the train in the dark. Ugh, it's not Don't good. like it. Anyway. So, yeah. So, so, yeah. so she's, she is just like... Boom. And it's like, again, guys, this isn't going anywhere good. No, she's just she's so thirsty. And you know what? Honestly, I get it. If I was like living with an abusive husband, not only did he leave me as in like, I don't have a husband now. He pulled the floor out from underneath of her financially. So she has to glom on to the nearest thing she sees. Mm-hmm. And it's just gravy that he is not an ogre. And yeah. it's like very nice, sensitive guy. So apparently I get it. knows how to break down a chicken. You know what? That's all I want to make. There's no reason that he should know how to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Because he's a, a, from the aristocracy or like whatever the middle term for that is. But <laughs> yeah. The, you mean the middle class? Yeah, you know. I divide people into aristocracy and then like we go down gradients from there. Okay. So like little aristocrats. So like little like like mm-hmm. Lilliputians or. Yep. Yep. Okay. So like they're small. Right, right, right. But also, they're not as fancy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Great. Awesome. awesome. I'm looking forward to your book on the subject. Yes, it's called IQ84. <laughs> That's a deep ass cut. <laughs> Let's move on. So, clearly, setting the stage for something to happen between the two of them. I'm excited to see it. So then we get Simon comes in and Grace is singing a hymn. And she's singing a song about that um, not very popular Tom Cruise film. <laughs> Are you familiar with it? The Rock of Ages? You know, so, Russell Brand. I'm so angry at you. Yeah, yeah, like Julian Hoff. I think Alec um, Baldwin's in it. Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that's what she's singing. She's like, Rock of Ages. Not a very good movie, but I saw it at Christmas because my mom was visiting. Tom Cruise is kind of cute in certain lights, but then you remember that he enslaved people via Scientology and is a charlatan. Ba ba be ba 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 wo. Yeah, it's my favorite hymn. That's your favorite <laughs> hymn. That's an ancient hymn. It's only made sense in the last couple of years, and people are like, ah, okay, that's wow. what it was talking God about. God really does reveal himself to his people over time. He really does. He really does. So Grace is just doing godly pursuits, mm-hmm. whereas Simon is having a little fantasy. <sighs> he imagines walking into, I think it's this room, but it's like, it's clear that she's like free. Like it's mm-hmm. not a prison situation. Right. But he walks in and kisses her and smells her. Ugh. Boys, one romance tip for you. Don't smell people. <laughs> it's never you know not what? weird. Like, uh, if we've already had, like, if you're making it, like, a sexual thing. Okay, that I've, that's like, kind of cool. I I've just... already consented to sex. Yeah. Like, there are situations. But you know what? Keep me keep me out of your smelling women fantasies. Yeah, don't okay? want it. Don't I don't consent it. to that. Nope. I don't consent to that. No. 
No? No. Rejected. All right. (laughs) Gonna take that one back to the old factory. So that's gross. And it's another example of him projecting he's projecting on her as much as everybody else as much as the reverend is projecting her innocence he's projecting her desire of him so she's a blank canvas for all of these men to paint although she doesn't seem even in his fantasies to be like super enthused (laughs) <laughs> I think part of what he likes about her is her just sort of like, she doesn't get excited about stuff. Ugh, I hate it. I don't want to get out of my kitchen. And he brings her a parsnip, which this is another instance of Maggie Atz going, see what I said there? Because he says, <laughs> here's a parsnip. What do you think of this? And she goes, hard to peel. Captain Sellers. And Maggie Atz is basically like, did you hear that? Sellers. Get it? <laughs> I feel like we're overusing this, so that's the one time I'm going to use it this episode. Okay, app. great. Cool. So, okay, I don't understand what's the oh, double meaning on sellers. Okay, so hard to peel. Think of Grace as hard to get to the root of what uh-huh. she is as a person. Sure. And sellers, she has a very, like, close association with sellers as being where Nancy is thrown and murdered. So that's where that's where I was going with that. Because he tries to, like, bait her with that, right? Doesn't she also say it's better not to... Because I think he brings up the seller. Right. I thought you were saying that she said that. I was saying that, but you're right. she's very careful not to say anything about that that might give him the satisfaction. Because she also then says it's better to keep parsnips buried in the yard because when they freeze, they keep better. You are so right. And she says that this particular parsnip was not stored correctly because it looks like yellowed. And it wouldn't be very good. You're right. Listen, I pay attention to the vegetable prompts. <laughs> you sure do. I was too excited to make my air horn thing, and I just, <laughs> I sacrificed content, and I won't do it again. <laughs> See, and you tell me that not everything has to be about content, and yet... <laughs> Grace then continues her story. Oh. We see Mary's burial, and Jeremiah shows up. She's somehow gotten word to him, and he, you know, is very sad. Mm-hmm. And she gives him the ring, you know, because she has inherited all of her stuff. Right. And he gives her money and she then uses that money to pay the preacher. Right. So it's not even like she gets, you know, any kind of real money to kind of build her savings back up and think about the future. She's got to turn it all over. And this sets us up because if we take into account, she spent her savings, whatever meager savings she had to help Mary get an abortion. Now she sold the most expensive thing she has to pay for Mary's burial, it really poises her in an interesting position for when Mrs. Alderman Parkinson offers her a raise. Yes, which I enjoyed this scene greatly. Me too. Because Mrs. Alderman Parkinson is trying again to be like, all right, do you know it was my son? Mm -hmm. Blink two times if yes. Yeah. But I really continue to think that Grace does not no, and has not put this no, together. I don't think that's true. I think that it is true. No, because I think she makes too many pointed references later on about men not having to clean up the messes that they make. And she she definitely gets evidence. I suppose, are you saying that she leaves the house not knowing who it was? I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I would say at this point when Mrs. Alderman Parkinson is trying to buy her silence, Grace is just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. 
Mm, okay. I disagree on the grounds, and we talked slightly about this last episode, that she Mary told her that a gentleman did it. Mm-hmm. And Grace sees her go somewhere in the house to s- convey that news to said gentleman, and she comes back. Did she know that she went somewhere in the house? To me, it is cut in such a way as to suggest that. Again, I'm just going to have to rewatch it because I really totally feel fine. like she doesn't know. I think after the events of this episode, she's put some stuff together. Okay. But to me, there is a simplicity to Grace. Like, not that she is like simple minded, but I don't think that she has critical thinking skills on par with, say, your Molly Sanchez. Uh-huh. Because I feel like she knows all of these separate facts, but mm. I don't feel like she's putting them together. She knows that Mary was having sex with the gentleman. She knows that she went to see the gentleman. I don't think she knows where the gentleman was. And then I also think she notices that Mr. George Parkinson is just like hanging around. But she thinks he's just being a lazy aristocrat. Okay. My last thing I will say is it feels like Grace and Mary are count are like really close co-workers right so Mm -hmm. it seems to me that every task we see them doing we see them doing together so to me it makes sense that the only times mary would not be working or eating or whatever would be nighttime so the only time she doesn't see her is nighttime so how far a field from this house to meet other gentlemen can mary get i don't think that grace knows that Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I mean, A, Mary goes out of her way not to reveal anything to Grace. Right. And actively prohibits her from knowing her whereabouts. Mm. And Grace, again, is very simple. Yeah. She, you know, for all she knows, a gentleman is sending a cart to Uh, pick up Mary. I wonder if our book recap and reread will illuminate this a little more, too. It may. But I also agree with you that I really liked that scene. Yeah, because Mrs. Alderman Parkinson's deal is I'm going to give you a raise. <laughs> and what what is her rate? Did he, she say how much? <laughs> it's 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 not much. She, I believe she's making like a dollar and she's like, how about you make two dollars? Yeah. And she's like, boy, howdy. <laughs> Where do I sign, Mr. Barry Gordy? Like, she, <laughs> she's like the temptations, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Then she also says, yeah, also, if you just don't say anything, I'll make sure you get a great reference yeah. when you leave here. Yeah. And Grace is like, well, okay. Like, whatever she knows or doesn't know, she's intelligent enough to know that more money greater than sign, less money. <laughs> totally. And Also, we- good reference, greater than sign, zero or negative reference this is true i believe the next scene we see is kind of george trying to talk to grace in the hall grace drops something yeah she drops a whole tray of things because he has scared the crap out of her that was actually where i thought maybe she did know it was him and like has a fear of him Mm. but i'm not sure okay it might just be general man fear General man fear. Yeah. The reason that we have all these different voices that we use. <laughs> yeah. So I've diagnosed the patient with generalized man fear. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Oh, no. Little old me. <laughs> I'm not afraid of men. <laughs> he then later comes to her at night and he tries to in the hallway. He tries to make sort of amends. Be like, I'm so sorry about Mary. But his mom comes in and, and cock blocks a little bit. Yeah, she's like, hey, quit talking to servants. <laughs> yeah. How many times do I have to tell you this? 
So he comes to Grace's bedroom in the night and is banging on the door. And, and luckily she locks the door. Yeah. Always lock the door. Oh, my God. But and what does he say? Let me in. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would have been a way better place for the self-care horn. I know. I got too excited. <laughs> I blew it early. You guys know how it is. Yeah, the guys definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, the woman voice, I didn't know that. I gotcha. Well, and I love what Grace is saying to Dr. Jordan about this part of her history. Once you're found with a man in your room, you are the guilty one, oh. no matter how they get in. Oh, my God. Like, I would throw a parade if it wasn't <laughs> the night and we had more podcasting to do. But, like, it's so great. And it's still so true. Oh, yeah. You know, every... I just... I am so, like, disillusioned with the whole idea that we had any kind of sexual liberation in the 60s. <laughs> like, it was just men doing what they've always done. They just didn't have to, like, feel bad anymore. Yeah. And birth control has helped, but I mean, it's still, you know, the evidence lives inside of the woman. Absolutely. And for some reason, that makes us the guilty ones to quote a song from Spring Awakening. <laughs> I got very excited because I knew that's the direction you were she going. Looked like, she looked like the like inflatable guy outside of a car dealership. <laughs> Honestly, in my soul, I am an inflatable guy. <laughs> I just want to wave to people and be happy. Yes, you're right. And I've been thinking about that a lot because I've been watching the HBO documentary from a couple years ago, Monica in Black and White. Have you seen this? No. Is it about Monica Lewinsky? Mm -hmm. Is it when she like was like, I'm not taking this anymore? Kind of. It's basically her sitting on a stage in front of thousands of people and handing them microphones and be like, you can ask me anything you want. What? It's really good and it's good to listen to if you're working because there's not a lot of like Oh yeah, like watching. nothing is happening. Yeah, there's titles on the screens that sometimes are helpful to watch, but for the most part you can just listen to it like a podcast. Uh -huh. And she says, you know, she's like, I'm not gonna tell you I'm entirely blameless, but people kept asking me when this was happening. She's like, Why didn't you think about Hillary or Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And she goes, nobody asked the president, why didn't you think of your wife and your daughter? And furthermore, nobody asked him, why didn't you think of Monica's yeah. family? Like, it's such bullshit. And it's like a just incredible, like, witch hunt sort of thing that happened in our lifetime. Yeah. And we see shades of over and over and over again, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a ghost that haunted Hillary this election. Yeah. Which is insane because Hillary had nothing to do with it. I know. And I was talking to somebody about this recently and they're like, well, Hillary's such a fan of women. Why didn't she stick up for Monica? It's like, bitch, it is not every woman's responsibility to answer for other women. And it's like just, you know, imagining whatever she was going through at that time, yeah. like you don't want to hang out with the person your husband cheated on you with. Like, you don't have to be that person. No. Yeah, so it's trash, and it's a dynamic. Well, and if she had stuck up... Uh, anyway, look. It's, it's trash. Uh, women, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. The only solution, move to an island. Let's all move to an island. Yep. This is a great time to mention that we're planning a podcast field trip to a Themyscira. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to take over an island, all of us. I'll give you the date and time later, and we'll all just live on this island together. Yeah, be I like happy. this plan a lot. Great. So Grace walks into Mrs. Alderman Parkinson's kitchen to find Suki, who is she the cook? 
I forget. I don't there's know. Mrs. Honey, there's Suki, and there's like the mean one who's maybe named Lisa. Don't know. So there is. Oh, wait, no, not. St- <laughs> uh, you were thinking Suki because Suki Stackhouse. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should have read that differently. Hang on. Let me, let me re say that. Grace walks in to find Suki in the kitchen. Okay, right now, Team Eric or Team Bill? Uh, Team Eric. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, he wasn't a Confederate war veteran. We got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to move on. Uh, uh, at least neither of us is Team Sam. I don't even know who Sam is. Was he that werewolf? Yeah. Uh, that was so dumb. Trash. The Werewolves stopped, are trash. I stopped watching shortly after that when they introduced the Panthers. So I was dumb. like, Mama gotta go. Like, <laughs> this is trash yes well anyway this is not a true blood podcast it is truly an alias grace podcast and we're referring to anna paquin who makes her really official debut in this series yes. as nancy alive we have seen her dead a bunch <laughs> a bunch quick poll do you think anna paquin is a good actress yes i like her i like her but i do not think she is a good actress at all <laughs> and like this series really uh drove that home for me i think she does a good job with this role, and maybe this role is a little weird. I don't know. I think, I think she's here's good. What I'm I think her limited abilities work for this role in that she is somebody in a position that's kind of awkward, mm-hmm. and she doesn't really know how to act. <laughs> so the fact that Anna Paquin doesn't know how to act mm. dovetails nicely. Yeah, I can't get on this train with you, but I see what you're saying. Okay, great. So Anna Paquin comes in to offer, basically kind of dance around offering Grace a job in her house. It's so weird, though, because she's there talking with her friend. And then, like, literally apropos of nothing is like, hey, you are a servant. I need one. Let's go. (laughs) And I'm like, uh... That was abrupt, but maybe that's how people did stuff back then. They were like, I need a survey. I mean, there wasn't Craigslist. It's true. There was not Craigslist. There was a guy named Craig and he had a list, but (laughs) it was of like the feed and tackle he needed to get the next day. So it's not the same thing. Yeah. Boy, if you found Craigslist and you didn't give it back, oh, he'd get hopping mad. He used Craig's axe. He was like, (laughs) not, not nice. Well, so she offers the tantalizing raise of $3 a month. I believe it's a month. Wow. That makes me sad. She sold her soul basically for $3 a month. Well, but she's looking for an out because clearly Mr. George Parkinson is not going to leave her alone. And it's like, how long do you think it would be before he went from I'm so sorry about Mary to hey I'm going to give you this ring Gross. you know you're going to touch my pee pee men are trash although Grace would not do it like I never touched a pee pee I tell you <laughs> I'd never do it I just I don't think she she would be like you've got to be joking no pee pee for me me thanks <laughs> So she accepts her offer to go and uh, Suki, I'm just going to call her Suki. Suki (laughs) says this under the auspice of she needs another lady at the house because she's lonely and because it's not proper to be alone with a man. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, she's got fake friend written all over her. I'm yeah. just going to say well, and it. She's like, she's showing off this like new dress mm-hmm. and she's talking about how liberal Mr. Kinnear mm-hmm. is as a master. Meanwhile, in the corner, the cook is doing the like finger into yeah. cir- thumb circle. <laughs> but Grace is like, I don't take your meaning. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to put your index finger into a circle like that? <laughs> So Nancy's like, great. Okay, take this. Co-. She gives her money. She's like, yeah. tomorrow, like tomorrow, <laughs> take this coach mm-hmm. and then Mr. Kinnear will meet you. And great. You'll work for us then. Done. And then Grace talks to the cook a <laughs> little bit. Part. And the cook is like, well, it's not really my place to say. It might not be like suitable for you. We've all done that when like someone we know starts dating a guy that you're like, something is weird about yeah. this or starts applying for your job, but you hate your job. And so yeah. you're like, don't come here. But, um, but she's like, you have no mother to advise you. And like, she won't say anymore. She's like, I can't be sure. So I'm not going to say anymore. Hey, uh. guess what women, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here at this point in our sordid <laughs> human history. Even if you don't feel like you have all the information, Give us all the information you think you might have, okay? Because <laughs> this story would be completely different totally. if you had been like, hey, Grace, um, don't go to there. <laughs> and Grace would have been like, well, Mr. George Parkinson keeps bothering me. He won't get off my jock. She'll be like, listen, we'll look on Craigslist. Yeah. See if <laughs> he needs any help. And... Uh, <laughs> That's got to be better. No, I mean, it's just it's at no point apart from Mary Whitney is Grace Mm -hmm. able to ask anybody for help. Yeah. And had she felt like she could ask for help, had the cook felt more comfortable being like, this dude might be bad news. Uh, Oh, I don't even think that's what she was not saying. Oh, I thought that was what she was saying. I think here's what I think that she is not saying. She's like. What I want to tell you is I believe that Nancy's having an affair with this guy. And if she's having an affair with him and he's not married to her, she's going to be acting weird. And that might not be a fun dynamic for you to get into. Also, if he's... Okay, here's where I think I'm meeting you. Yeah, because you're getting... Because my point is just you don't want to go work for a guy who thinks it's appropriate to have sex with a help. Yeah. and and Because basically, she's essentially going... From the frying pan into the fire here. That's true. Because at least with Mrs. Alderman Parkinson, she's in a city. There is a society around Mm -hmm. them that obviously fails Mary Whitney. Mm -hmm. But there's some insulation. There's plenty of women around. Yeah. You know? That's true. Now she's going out to an isolated (laughs) farm where there's only one other woman who's clearly a (laughs) Regina George. She's such a Regina George. Oh, my God. (laughs) Her burn book is vicious. (laughs) It's true. But she still goes. And she goes and just has a shit time traveling there. She's in the car. In the car. She's in this. She's taking a chariot. She's in delete chariots. She's in this coach with this guy who is getting progressively drunker. He's got a flask. Mm They pass the Montgomery Tavern, which was burned in the 1837 Rebellion. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say all kinds of horrible things about William Lyon Mackenzie and the entire rebellion. And Grace is like, that's not cool. But I didn't say anything because dudes, you can't tell them anything, no matter what voice you're using. (laughs) 
And so then they arrive at the end of the line, which is Richmond Hill. Mm-hmm. They get out and he is like, oh, why don't you come in and have a whiskey or two with me for old time's sake? Mm. And she's like, I don't want to, you gross old jerk. And so then this guy comes out and he says, oh, is this man a friend of yours? And the guy, Grace is like, no, he is very much not. And so then this guy is like, why don't you like leave her alone? And the guy's like, she's a whore. And I'm like, whoa. Nothing about this situation makes her a whore. But then Mm -mm. this new guy hauls off and punches the crap out of him. Mm -hmm. And then we learn that this is Mr. Kinnear, Mm -hmm. Grace's new employer. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, at least he's kind of woke. Like, that's nice. Well, what I like is how he, she responds when he asks her if there was trouble. And she goes... Or if if she came to any harm and she goes, eh, nothing the world at large would call harm. But we know from like how it feels to be harassed at that proximity. Yeah, it sucks. And you can't like say anything about yeah. it. You definitely couldn't then. It's dangerous even now to confront people who harass you in public. Yeah. Like, it, so we are all... And nobody else will help you, usually. Yeah. Like, I was just so blown away by Mr. Kinnear just hauling off yeah. and punching this guy. I'm like, can I get that? It's a Woke like, Bay Wednesday miracle. Yeah. Screw pepper spray. Like, can I just get like a dude? I don't really want to screw pepper spray. That would no, be no, really no. painful. You just need a body card like Kim K has. Oh, have- though a better one because her body card like got robbed. Anyway, we're not here to discuss <laughs> that. That's on my Kardashians podcast that I wish I had. <laughs> Back to the Kinnears. Another K. Basically, the Kinnears are the Kardashians of this book. <laughs> Not really, because there's only uh, one guy. And no ladies. You have really backed yourself into a corner here. Yep. Let's get you out of that corner. Help me. Because Mr. Kinnear seats Grace up front with him in his wagon. And she... This is where we really see Grace's, like, prudishness Mm -hmm. and adherence to propriety coming Mm -hmm. out. Because they are constantly wanting her when Nancy said that Mr. Kinnear is a liberal master. (laughs) She meant it. I mean, he just like does not give a flying Mm -hmm. F about anything. Yeah. Cause he's like, I'm not putting you in the back like a sack of potatoes. And she's like, Oh, I'd never think that I'm as grand as a sack of potatoes, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Basically, Mr. Kinnear is that substitute teacher that comes and turns the chair backwards and like straddles it and is like, guys, what do you want to learn today? Like, that's Mr. Kinnear. Did you know that Shakespeare is just like song lyrics? <laughs> just like rapping. <laughs> Did you have a teacher like that? My teacher like that was named Mr. Bluegrind. Oh, uh, uh, that's upsetting <laughs> that's to a me. Good name. No, Mr. Bluegrind. Something's wrong there. All right. We'll move on. Um, but. No, no, I don't. No. I never had a teacher that made Shakespeare cool. <laughs> Well, let Mr. Kinnear be that teacher for you. And they have an exchange that uh, reminds me of a little something. She's talking about her bonnet and how it obscures her face. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I was just like, here I am. Rock me like the handmaid's tail. I was very happy. (laughs) See, aren't you glad you helped me decode that joke? I am really happy. Well, and and Dr. Jordan's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she's like, well, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Like, as much as we'd like to hide your weird pointy face with a bonnet, you need a fuck bonnet. (laughs) You need a bonnet. (laughs) Exactly. Hashtag fuck bonnet. I like that bonnets are a device that 
Maggie Yatz is interested in because they they're really interesting because they obscure you from being seen, but they also obscure you from seeing. It's true. So <laughs> that's all the analysis I have to say about that. Just a ghost noise. Okay, <laughs> the podcast that brought you ghost noises instead <laughs> of critical analysis. Mm-hmm. So they get up to the house and things start to get weird immediately because Grace takes like immense offense at the fact. So like Nancy is out front in the garden and she waves at them. And then when they arrive, Mr. Kinnear goes and he's talking to Nancy and they're, you know, talking amongst themselves and Grace is just like sitting with her bonnet flapping in the wind. And she's just like so pissed at Nancy Mm -hmm. for not saying hi. She does wind up meeting Jamie Walsh, who is their sort of part time like neighborhood kid. Mm -hmm. Like imagine like the kid who like mows lawns. That's Jamie Walsh. And then there's McDermott, Mm -hmm. who's their full time hired hand. And also, it's worth noting, she's outnumbered. The women in this house are outnumbered. Yeah, by one. By one. But, but still, really... Even the horse is a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ever think about that? <laughs> I did not. Thanks for bringing it up. She has... I love this shot. There's a shot that just goes through the entirety mm-hmm. of the house. And the house is so much nicer than I imagined it mm. when I read the book. Really? Just because of the fact that it was a farm, mm. I was like, well, this is like a crap shack. You know, Joe's crap shack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Joe's crap shack. Yeah, they serve shit on a shingle. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just this really nice house. Homey. Yeah. Quaint. And she's saying, you know, she could walk through the house to this day where she's sitting talking mm. to Dr. Jordan. She's like, I could walk through that house blindfolded. And it's strange to think that that day in six months time, Every single person in that house except for Grace would be dead. Oof. And that's scary. It's so scary. It's a scary portent of doom. I think this also reminds me of your thesis about women's proximity to violence Mm -hmm. is that even beneath this beautiful, quaint, bucolic kind of veneer bubbles death and murder. Yeah, and speaking of which... sex, too. (laughs) Nancy does give Grace a tour of the house, so Mm -hmm. Grace seems somewhat placated. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm like, dude, I don't know what to tell you, Grace. I don't know what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, She waved at you. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're gonna talk to her eventually. Yeah. So she's showing her around, and she... Shows her the cellar, and Nancy mm. is kind of weird about the cellar. And then Grace, of course, is weird about the cellar yeah. to Dr. Jordan. Yeah. And they don't go into the cellar that day. Right. But we find out that the cellar is divided in two. One half is where they keep the butter and cheeses, and then the other half is where they keep the vegetables. Mm-hmm. So here is the famous cellar. Congratulations, right. everybody. We made it. Good job. And McDermott and Nancy do not get along. Oof. So we see sort of, and, and we also get this sense. So Nancy takes Grace up to her room and she's like, traveling is exhausting. Why don't you just take it easy and you can start work in the morning? Which compared with life at Mrs. Alderman Parkinson's is like, yeah. whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, Grace in these scenes because she reminds me of that girl in Magic School Bus who's always like, at my old school. And they're like, shut up. Phoebe. I literally wrote in my notes at my old school. <laughs> yeah. We are the best of friends. <laughs> well, because that's also anytime somebody joins your team at work, mm-hmm. that's new. Like this would happen all the time in one of my jobs. Like somebody would come and like, they would constantly be talking about, well, we did it like this. And we'd be like, I'm my old school. I'm my old school. <laughs> 
We're like, yeah. we don't do it like that here. Yeah. Get so- your spirit broken like the rest of us. <laughs> Get with the program. So that's Grace about re-Mrs. Alderman Parkinson and this house. Because this house is a lot more loosey-goosey. So the next day when Grace kind of starts you know, out doing her stuff, Nancy says something to McDermott. I can't remember exactly what the content of it was, but he straight up throws an armload of wood down on the porch and throws a tantrum like a three-year-old. Yeah. I forget. Was this about her shoes? Yeah. He's like, she says, why didn't you wash my shoes before? Or she's like, you didn't do it correctly or something like that. Yeah. And had she been yelled at by Mr. Kinnear before that? Who, Nancy? Yeah. No. Okay. I feel like there was a situation where like he yelled at her and then she yelled at McDermott at some point. Oh, maybe. Not that I'm remembering. I can't remember if that was but that dynamic this, but checks out. Yeah. What I find what I really like about this is that it's framed her describing her daily activities is framed by Dr. Jordan wanting to know what she does and she just goes and so on like you know, domestic chores. Well, and he's like, what that? She says that specifically about going to the privy. Oh, I have a thoughts about that yeah. as well. Okay, and fine. But she tries to like, just say, and life went on from there. And he's like, no, I need the, yeah. Well, and she has this whole monologue about it because she's like, you wouldn't have any idea mm, because, because women clean up messes for people like you mm-hmm. and ours into the bargain. I love when she says into the bargain. Oof, Cause it's true. It's, you know, it's funny. It's kind of like we were having a conversation at dinner tonight is like, I remember my mom working all day and coming home to clean and cook and take care of babies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, that's a, a woman's job sometimes. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she goes through all of her various chores and she's very good at her work. That to yeah. me was really my takeaway from this montage. I'm like, she just got there. Like nobody had to tell her how to do all this stuff. Yeah. She was just like, I know how to do all this. Yeah. And there's a, something comforting to her about that routine and it also should make us like contemporary watchers be like fuck it took so much just to like be just to live it's insane (laughs) they're not even like rich or fancy people and they had to do all this shit just to like kind of be comfortable yeah and And you know they're still cold and stinky and like not comfortable as we would know it and oh no fucking hours to get even a modicum of that like relaxation yeah that is bonkers. Speaking of relaxation, uh, when she is in the privy, uh, she, you know, they use a magazine as toilet paper and she has this whole thing where she's like, don't ever let anybody put your face in a magazine because you don't know to what purpose it'll be put later. Because <laughs> she's wiping herself right. with the face of some models in a lady's goatee book. Ugh. I do like goatee's lady book. Yeah, I believe that is how it is. I do like slash am creeped out by how... Jordan constantly needs to be explained what privies are and how they work. Last last episode, there was something where she, there was, uh, she was saying why you wouldn't want to go to the bathroom at night by yourself. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, it's fucking cold and dark yeah. and scary. Of course, that's why. And then this is another point where he pushes her to explain bathroom stuff and she tries to give him the cliff notes and he's like no what happened you in know there? What? i think he might be a ken doll and he has no like <laughs> he's never pooped before. he's never pooped he well, doesn't have a penis i identify i too have never pooped in my life so <laughs> i too was Not very fortunate because it's one of life's most distinct <laughs> pleasures <laughs> if i was a pooping individual i'm sure i would agree <laughs> but there's something very voyeuristic and icky 
about him. And I think it speaks to the idea that men aren't as associated with gross bodily things Which on the daily. Which is weird because men are gross. Yeah, men are disgusting. They don't like Ugh. clean stuff. Anyway, Ugh. I don't have time to get into my detailed critique <laughs> That's our of male different hygiene. podcast. So we see a couple of other things. McDermott introduces himself and he kind of like tries to flirt with her. Yeah. And basically he says he'll break her in like a horse, like a mare. And then he says, oh, it was only a joke, which is what Ugh. dudes always do when their creepy, ineffective advances are rebuffed. You know, you know, McDermott uses Reddit like constantly. <laughs> she has a great line about him. I could tell what he had in mind and it was not original. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, I love that. It's never original. Oh, God. It's so good. And Grace sees that Nancy is learning to play the piano and she finds that strange <laughs> that, she's you know, so mad about that. that she well, she's the housekeeper. She uh-huh. should be keeping the house, not playing the piano. Yeah. She also then sees McDermott Irish step dancing in the barn, which yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was cool. As it well. was a really interesting character detail. I like it. So she's like, OK, cool. Yeah. And like he saw her see him, but like she just like left immediately. So yeah. they have a real warm and friendly relationship. <laughs> there is some weirdness about tea for Mr. Kinnear in the morning. So Nancy is sitting there and Grace is making the tea and uh, getting a tray ready for Mr. Kinnear. And Nancy sort of like flips out and is like, I'll bring him his tea. And Grace is like, but you're the housekeeper at my old school. <laughs> the housekeeper never would have carried a tray of tea. And, and Nancy's like, Oh yeah, 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 sure. Sorry. I don't know why I'm being so spastic. <laughs> and then Grace does go up, but she goes up and Mr. Kinnear is like in his bed, like clearly naked. And Grace is like freaking out. So I'm like, yeah, careful what you wish for Grace carrying tea wise. Yeah. And, and the dynamic is so strained, I think in part because you know, she's not that much more senior to Grace. Oh, yeah. And there's so few people. It's the differences between them are exacerbated just because she expects Grace a little bit to wait on her as well. Uh-huh. Well, and it's this weird dynamic because, you know, there's no butler or anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's not much of a hierarchy. But the hierarchy right. is, you know, Mr. Kinnear, then Nancy, then kind of Grace and McDermott on the same yeah. level. And yeah. everything from the top just sort of trickles down. Yeah. And one thing that we should think about as we go through this is wondering how accurate is Grace's characterization mm-hmm. of Nancy? Yeah. I feel strongly that Grace has been a pretty reliable narrator up until this point. Oh, where's the break? I think the break is in Nancy's behavior toward Grace. Because Nancy has these like mercurial shifts. And I'm not saying that she wouldn't be capable of that, Mm -hmm. but we're shown them in such like rapid succession Mm -hmm. and the swings are just so wide. Mm -hmm. It feels like Nancy just starts being mean to Grace like out of nowhere. And I am just curious if that is true. Yeah. I. They're uh, just, they start to feel. Like there are gaps in this story totally. in a way that there were not gaps about coming over from Ireland. That makes sense. About being with her family, about going to Mrs. Mm-hmm. Alderman Parkinson's, about her friendship with Mary. Mm-hmm. 
there's something here. It feels more incomplete. That's so fascinating. I'm very interested in that. And yet I can see, you know, I feel like I've known people like Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially how her attitude towards her changes so rapidly when Mr. Kinnear is out of the house. Like the best yeah. time that they ever have together is when the, Mr. Kinnear is gone because yeah. then, you know, Nancy doesn't have anybody to try to impress necessarily. It's like, she's got to be juggling all of these different things. Like, okay, well she's trying to be attractive to Mr. Kinnear, mm-hmm. not just, you know, whatever feeling she might have, but she's at his mercy. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And then she is supposed to be managing the junior staff as yeah. well. So, you know, it's yeah. a, it's not even like it's a delicate balance. It's like a, you know, disappearing act almost. Oof. Yeah. Should we get to this nice night that they have? We have so much to get through before that. Oh, geez. You drive. <laughs> You're welcome for these dry, dry notes. <laughs> so Grace and Nancy have a discussion about Mr. Kinnear's oh, married state. Yes. And this is really where things get weird between them. Mm-hmm. Like the the thing about the tea. Okay, whatever. Like that was just Nancy being weird. But then here they have a fundamental disagreement where Nancy is defending Mr. Kinnear's right to not be married, whereas Grace is like, that fool needs a wife. And, you know, Nancy is offended. Basically, Nancy is, like, expecting for Grace to be cognizant of her feelings when she doesn't know what her relationship is to Mr. Kinnear at this point. Mm. And Grace is just, like, saying what she's been trained to say. Mm-hmm. And she then goes up and Nancy is kind of showing her, you know, where all of Mr. Kinnear's things are. And she's saying, Oh, make sure that you arrange <laughs> his, you know, his brushes and stuff in this way, mm-hmm. you know, do his shirts this way, mm-hmm. all these things. And, you know, she's like, that night shirt needs airing out. And Grace is like, I was gonna, <laughs> And then Mr. Kinnear comes in and he's like, oh, hey, P to the S, you fucked up my button. That must be where it is. Yeah. But in the course of this, so there's a painting on his wall Mm -hmm. and Grace asks what the painting is. And it's racy. It's a naked woman surrounded by men. Yeah. And there's two dudes and it's Susanna and the Elders Mm -hmm. by Artemisia Gentileschi. Mm -hmm. And we'll tell a little cool story about her in a minute. Okay. But... (laughs) Uh, Suki is like, she's like, oh, that's from the Bible. And uh, Grace is like, I know the Bible. That shit is not in the Bible. And Suki's like, well, actually. (laughs) And that's when Mr. Kinnear comes in and he's explaining the story of Susanna and the Elders, which is an apocryphal story that would be in the book of Daniel, but it was too hot for the Old Testament. But basically, like, these old guys wanted Susanna to sleep with them. And she was like, no. And then they were like, okay, we're going to go tell everybody that you slept with everybody. But then... According to Mr. Kinnear, she had a very clever lawyer, who I believe is Daniel, (laughs) who was like, he got the men to contradict each other, basically. And he asks Grace what she thinks the moral of the story (laughs) is. And she says, not to take a bath out in the open like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a good moral. It is a great moral. And so we, again, sort of get this sense from him, like, you know, he's not like those other employers. He's got pictured. He's like the Hugh Hefner of the Canadian countryside. <laughs> and so at that point, he's like, oh, by the way, a uh, button was missing from my shirt. 
Mm -hmm. don't let that happen again but you know nancy's upset about that and then she's mad at mcdermott and then he pitches a fit nobody in this house has good boundaries (laughs) people really don't people really don't have good boundaries nancy wants to be grace's friend but she wants to boss her around they need to get hr in there yeah and uh they're not gonna no bad news no so now we're to the good the good night Ooh. because Mr. Wait, Kinnear, wait, 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 wait. You didn't tell your story. Oh, right. About Artemisia Gentileski. Yeah. Uh, so she had like this, like this guy was like raping her. Oh my and her God. Her father was also a painter, but she was like, dad, this guy's raping me. And he was like, okay, whatever. But then she painted a painting of, uh, Judith to head of Judith beheading Holofernes. And she put her rapist face. Is that the one that's going around lately? Yeah. Oh, interest. Yeah. That's so interesting. So she put her rapist face on the person uh, getting beheaded. Yeah, oh, and so like somehow oh. like that proved to her dad was like, oh my god, like this is happening. Wow. The other cool thing about that is that there is a statue of Judith beheading Holofernes in Oryx and Crake <gasps> at the Martha Graham Academy where Jimmy goes to college. That is amazing. So Maggie Atz knows this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was really like one of the first really prominent female painters. I can't remember what her sort of like contemporaries were, but that is a great story yeah, because she's really obviously dope. that ties so directly to Alias Grace. Mm-hmm. The idea of getting revenge on men and being a woman being violent as like having no other recourse. Well, and then if you look at Susanna and the elders, I mean, it's this vulnerable woman mm-hmm. being lied about mm-hmm. by all these men. Mm-hmm. Right? Get it? Get it? But at the same time, it's a painting. <laughs> get it? That would be another good self-care horn. <laughs> The thing that's amazing to me about this painting is like the dudes in the painting are clearly up to no good, but Susanna is just like chill. She's like, I'm taking a bath, yo. Yeah. Been there. I love that they cut that from the Old Testament and yet (laughs) David watching (laughs) Bathsheba take a bath and then kill her husband is still in there. All that stuff is totally fine. Good job, King David. The women get impregnated by their father. I forgot about them. There's a lot of gross stuff yeah. in the Bible and they read that story and were like, nope, step too far. I feel like really like <laughs> this didn't get like make it into the New Testament, but like Jesus like ran on a platform of like, no more gross stuff. Uh-huh. And they're like, okay, one more gross thing. <laughs> and it just got out of hand from there. <laughs> so Mr. Kinnear is going out of town and Nancy, Nancy's like, Grace, you're sleeping with me tonight. Because I get scared when Mr. Kinnear's not here. Grace is like, that's weird. Uh, I meant to ask you this last time. How do you feel about platonic bed sharing? Uh, Like with women or men? Or really anybody? I would say, yeah. Um, I'm against it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I'm mostly against it as well. There's less of a reason to do it nowadays. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll do it if I have to. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. had like one friend, my best friend and I would do it when we lived together. And it would be like a very like, you know, girlfriends in YA novels talking and hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I would sleep on my friend's bed in high school because she only had one bed and like it was mm-hmm. like inconvenient to sleep on the floor somehow. Yeah. But like usually, usually I didn't do it. Okay. Well, that was me asking if you want to have a sleepover and you said no. <laughs> I mean, but that's we okay. Can have, I have an air mattress small. We don't have to sleep Great. on the same bed. Well, we've been off. blessed. <laughs> so they're all hanging out 
uh, in front of the house and McDermott is like doing this like exercise routine. <laughs> Such a dork. He is. He's cute. Like, he is cute. He's got an anger problem and he sexually harasses Grace. But again, like this is the thing is like I retweeted somebody the other day who's like men make it so miserable to be sexually attracted to men. <laughs> and I was like this forever. <laughs> but so Grace has a great comment where she's like, you know, he kept doing his exercise and he clearly wanted to be watched. <laughs> But Nancy was like, don't pay him any attention. So I had to like pretend not to be watching. And he was pretending I wasn't looking. And then young Jamie Walsh, who is this adorable ginger. So cute. He comes over and Nancy is super stoked because he plays the flute. Which is basically like their Netflix. Yeah. Like she's like, I need to binge on some fluting tonight. (laughs) Nancy is the piano player. McDermott Mm -hmm. is the Irish step dancer. Jamie plays the flute. Everybody has a talent but Grace. Grace raps. (laughs) <laughs> she's not done it yet but she'll, <laughs> it's brewing she already looks a little bit like eminem like <laughs> okay great incidentally i mentioned this i think previously but the guy playing mr kinnear is paul gross who was the lead in slings and arrows mm, okay. and he also was in the show do south which a lot of people really like huh. um anyway he's cool. been around for a while nice yeah. And so then, you know, Grace is basically just saying like, hey, like everything is great. Like they're literally putting fireflies in a jar, like in a like Bath and Body Works commercial. It's amazing. Yeah. And Grace is saying, you know, when I think back, I remember like it's it's a moment that's so beautiful that you're not sure whether to be happy or sad. And all that she wanted was for this moment to go on forever, basically. Anyway, so, okay, so that's the last scene of the episode. Oh, and I said last episode to think of the time when she's hanging out with Mary and calls it the happiest part of her life. Hold that next to this scene, because I think these are potentially her two happiest times her whole stinking life. Yeah. And, and they all come right before Great Doom. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. don't be happy yeah. is the lesson. <laughs> don't be happy. Don't bathe outside. Oh, no. Don't put your face in a magazine. <laughs> there is a scene where Grace asks McDermott about his life. And he's very rude. Mm-hmm. I think going forward, all of my notes about McDermott are, McDermott is rude. Yeah. <laughs> and... He basically says, like, his mom kicked him out. He doesn't know or care if she's alive or dead. He, like, joined the army, and then he came to uh, Canada, and then he ditched the army, and he came and found out about this position. But he is very put out about a woman being placed before him. Because basically, generally speaking, the way that this would work is that a man would handle the male servants and a woman would handle the female Mm -hmm. servants. Mr. Kinnear does not like to do anything. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it is that he does in his life, like for work and stuff, but he does not have time to be bossing McDermott around. So it falls to Nancy and Nancy doesn't like him. She's Mm -hmm. constantly threatening to fire him. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he's very, like, I don't know. He reminds me of Edward Cullen a little bit. Like, he's mm-hmm. just, like, so moody. <laughs> and he's like, ugh, everything is so unfair. And this is where he offers to break Grace in, I mm. think, um, yeah. explicitly. Yeah. And she's like, boy, bye. No. Yeah. I saw what happens. Like, if you get broken in, you get broke. Yeah. Yep. And um, 
there's a fun little thing where Grace is churning butter. And this is like as Mr. Kinnear is like going out of town. A very modern like butter churn that works via pedal instead of like Amish style. Like pumping No, actually, in. this is pretty common because okay. it's it's not a pedal. It's a rocker. So like oh. it's it's on rockers and you're rocking it back and uh, forth. Okay. And um, he comes out and she's like, oh, like I have to stand up because like my master's here. And he's like, no, I'd rather have good butter than like a meek servant. <laughs> and he says something creepy. I've been pretty like pro Kinnear up until this point. But he's like, oh, young girls should always be blushing. And I'm like, oh, gross. But like you can see Grace is kind of in awe of him. Yeah. And he might be the first man ever who's been nice to her it's the fun dad she never had absolutely and so yeah so then this is the point where nancy's like you gotta sleep with me and we're gonna have a party yeah and it's just it's this nice idyllic scene that we get here at the very middle of alias grace before we go over the falls (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Uh, all right well as always like us on facebook Rate and review us on iTunes. You can find Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. And Molly's on Twitter at Serious Molly. All right. And as always, Nolite te bastardes carborundorum. Dum, 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 Amen. Cannot believe how long that was.